You're listening to The Gospel Effect, a sermon series about the teachings of Jesus and how they should affect the lives of Christians. For more information about Elevate Church, please visit us online at www.elevatechurch.ms. All right, how are we doing, Elevate? We're doing good? Yeah. It is. It's, it's good to be in God's house. I always like coming to church on a Sunday. Look at the person sitting next to you and, and tell them to smile. Yeah, tell them they should be so excited that they get to sit by you this morning. Hey, if you don't know me, my name is Robert Andrews, one of the pastors here at Elevate Church, and I am so glad that you're joining us today. We are in a series that we have titled The Gospel Effect. The Gospel Effect, and what we're talking about is how the teachings of Christ are meant to really, uh, really challenge us and change our lives. They really are meant to affect our, our lives. And so that's what this entire, entire series really has uh, been about. And so I, as we start today, I know that each and every one of you know this, uh, but we live in a day and we live in a time in which there are all sorts of tools and all sorts of uh, instruments and equipment that we can use to measure how we're doing in certain areas of our life, right? Y'all know that. I mean, we got all sorts of things that will measure things. Like, for instance, if it, how many of y'all know what, know what this is right here? It, ooh, it's a mirror. Thank you so much. It is a mirror. And so what does this do? Let's, this will tell you how your face is doing, right? Right? If you wake up one morning and you want to say, hey, how, how's my face doing today? What you would do is you wake up and you go where? You go to the bathroom and what do you do? You look at yourself and you say, hey, I'm looking pretty nice today. My eyebrows are on point. Anybody do that? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody know what I'm talking about? So, so we use this to kind of get a, get a measurement of how we look. Now, now, if you're a guy, how many guys we got in here today? You should know. Come on now. Y'all help me out, man. You should know that. So if you're a guy and you wake up in the morning and then you're like, how, how, how's my face doing today? I really need to know how my face is doing. And you go and you look in the mirror, this can be really depressing. It really can be because, you know, when you look in the mirror, if, if you don't like this, if you don't like what's going on with this, I mean, you're pretty much stuck. You know what I mean? There's not a whole lot, there's not a whole lot you, can, you can do. But if you're a lady, how many ladies we got in church today? Y'all participate, help me out. If you're a lady... And you go and you look in the mirror, you know, you know, you're not really that worried, right? Because that initial look is just the first appearance, right? You've got all sorts of products and, and, and stuff that can, like, change the way that this looks. You've got things called foundation and concealer, right? Right? You can, you can change the way that you look. But a guy, that's pretty much it. It's pretty much it. You got, you're stuck with it. You're stuck with it. So something else that we've got out there, you know what I mean? If you want to get, if you want to get an accurate picture of what, you, uh, what your weight is, what your weight is, what do you turn to? A scale, right? And so if you wake up in the morning and you put that scale down and you look at it, first off, you're trying to convince that scale to be your friend right, to be on your side. You want that scale to like you, and so you kind of look at it like you're negotiating with it back and forth, and if you're dressed, if it's the middle of the day, what do you do? You empty out all of your pockets, right? You get the keys out. You get the wallet out. You get the phone out. You know what I'm saying? You're like, I'm going to go to the bathroom before I get on that thing. So you go to the bathroom, and then you come back to it, and you blow out all the air in your lungs, right? Because you're trying to just get all this weight. If you're wearing contacts, you know, you're taking those out. And so you get on there so that you can get an accurate picture of 
your weight. There are all sorts of other things. People have watches, and they have things that are called Fitbits. And what those things do is, again, they give you an accurate picture of how you're doing. Some of them show your heart rate. Some of them show, uh, some of them show how many steps that you have taken. They do all these different things. So we'll measure your sleep pattern. Again, we have all sorts of stuff that's available to us that will really uh, show us how we're doing when it comes to your children. And you want to check on how they're doing academically. academically. What do you do? You look at their progress reports, their report cards. You have things, again, that you can go back to that can measure where you are and how you're doing. But when it comes to the most important thing in this world, the most important question for each and every one of us, which is how am I doing spiritually? How am I, how am I doing with God? How am I doing with my relationship with God? When it comes to that question and how we really measure that, if you were to ask people how you measure that, they're kind of they're fuzzy on how to answer that. They don't, they don't really know how to answer that. But again, that is the most important question each and every one of us really need to ask ourselves. And so we wouldn't accept an answer that was fuzzy from any other thing that was important in our life. Like if you wanted to check out your financial situation, you wanted to get a picture of your finances, what would you do? If you called the bank, you wanted to check your balance. And if you called the bank and said, hey, I need to know how my, my money situation's doing. And if they said, well, you, you probably got enough in your bank account. You're probably good. Would that be a good enough answer? No. Why? Because you need to have a clear picture. You need to know whether or not you can put some gas in your ride. You need to know whether or not you can buy some groceries. You want a clear picture, and you and I should also want a very clear picture of how we are doing spiritually. So what do we turn to? What do we have that we can look at to see really how we're doing? We have the Bible. We have God's Word. We can look at specifically the main character in God's Word, and that is Jesus Christ. You do know the entire Bible is about Jesus. From Genesis to Revelation, you say, hey, he doesn't show up until Matthew, in the book of Matthew, the New Testament. No, that's not true. The entire Bible, again, it is about Jesus. And so if we want to really measure how we're doing spiritually, we need to look at his life. We need to look at his teachings again because he is the standard. His teachings are the standard. His teachings are supposed to be what transform us and what affect us in a tremendous way. And so I want you to see what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, if you've got your Bible. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is delivering one of the, or he is delivering the world's best sermon, the best sermon that has ever been preached. He is delivering a sermon that is referred to as a sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. This is the best sermon because this is word, these are words that are coming from the Son of God. And I want you to see what he says. He, he's finishing up, kind of doing this Sermon on the Mount. And in verses 24, in verse 24, he says this, anyone who listens, I left my glasses, anyone who listens to my teaching, now, now let me stop for just a second, anybody who listens to his teachings. What does, that, what does that mean? It means you. It means me. It means us right now. That's, that's what we are doing. We are listening to who's teaching. We are listening to the words of Jesus right here. He says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it. What does that mean? It means actually does what Jesus is telling us to do. Jesus says that person, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Look at your neighbor and ask them, are they wise? 
Now look at your other neighbor and say, bless your heart, right? You don't really, you already know the answer to that one, right? So he says, hey, look, if you do what I am telling you to do, you are wise like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching, and again, who is this, what is this talking about? Anyone. What does that mean? It means you. It means me. It means us. Right now, we are listening to the teaching of Christ. He says, anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is what? Foolish. Everybody say foolish. So that word right there, what's interesting about that word is that it is a Greek word that's called moros. And so it's where we get the English word moron, the word moron. So do you see what Jesus says there? Jesus, again, he's looking at crowds of people who have gathered to hear his teaching, to hear him speak on the backside of a mountain. And he says, you know what? Anyone who listens to my teaching and doesn't obey them, guess what you are? You're a moron. What? Jesus really said that? That's what he said in the Greek. So he says this. I hear, you know, he says, look, if you're not going to listen to me, you are a, you're, you're a moron. So look at the person sitting next to you and, and tell them, I'm not a moron. Tell them that. Tell them. Tell them. They may be, but not you. You are not a moron. So Jesus says, hey, look, the person who listens to my teaching, who doesn't listen to my teaching, is like a moron, like a person who builds a house own sand. Jesus says, you wouldn't do that. Why? Because if you did that, you'd be dumb. He says this, when the rains and floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. So Jesus, again, he literally looks at people and he says, hey, if you want to know how you're doing spiritually, if you want to know how you're doing when it comes to the things of God, you only need to look at my teachings. You need to make sure that you are doing what I have told you to do. Because if you're not doing what I have said, Jesus says, your life is going to experience a mighty crash. What does that mean? It means that, you know what, the rains are going to come. The floodwaters are going to come. You are going to have many trials. You are going to have many troubles. You are going to have issues. And if you aren't listening to the teachings of Jesus, you're in for a collapse. The truth is, again, anytime we let anything other than the teachings of Christ transform us and change us and affect us, you need to know that you are on very unstable ground. It is a very shaky foundation. It's Jesus' teaching on marriage that are a firm foundation. It's Jesus' teaching on anger that are a firm foundation. It's Jesus' teaching on forgiveness that are a firm foundation. It is Jesus' teaching on all of life's issues that are a firm foundation. Again, that's what we need to allow to transform us because what Jesus teaches us is completely different than what the world teaches us. Do you know that? It's completely different. They're, they're, they're nowhere near the same thing. And so today what I want to do is I want to point out two things to you that the world tries to teach you and that the world tries to teach me. And I want us to look at those things because I want us to compare them to what Jesus actually says about the issues. If you got your, your, your pen out, your, your paper or whatever, you want to take some notes, the first one is this. We're going to talk about materialism. I got a little cold today. I'll, you know, you know, pray for me. Materialism. See, the world 
teaches you and it teaches me that the one who has the most toys in life, guess what? They win. If you've got the most, that's how, that's how you win. The world teaches us that it's all about life, liberty, and the purchase of happiness. You know what I mean? If you'll just buy this product, guess what? You'll be happy. If you just buy this product, you'll be fulfilled. Don't worry about whether or not you can afford it or not. Why? Because we've got these things called credit cards, and you can just purchase it with a credit card, and you'll be happy. Never mind the fact that you'll be in debt and you'll be in bondage because of how much you owe. Again, this item will complete you. That is until the newest model comes out. Because when the newest model comes out, guess what? You're going to have to have it too. you got to get this thing. That's what the world teaches us. The world teaches us that our value is based off of our valuables. The world teaches us that our value is based off of our valuables. Think about it. The world uses phrases like this, net worth. You ever heard that phrase, net worth? People want to know what a celebrity's net worth are. People want to know what this person's net worth is, who's, what that person's net worth is. Again, when, when and how in the world did we, did we get to the point in our society where someone's value is actually based off of what they have and what they own. How did we get to that, that point? That's what the world teaches us. You know what the fastest or one of the fastest growing industries in America is? It is the storage room or storage building industry. Think about it, man. We have, we have houses, and so we fill our houses with stuff, right? So much stuff that it literally fills our house, and then it'll fill our attic. And then once that is filled, what happens? It overflows into our carports, right, or our garages. And there'll be so much stuff there that guess what we can't even do? We can't even park our cars and our carports and our garages. And so once that gets full, what do we do? We have to build a storage building, a storage shed. And then once that's filled, guess what we do? We go and we rent storage rooms to put more stuff in, stuff that we just can't let go of, but we're never going to use. We're never going to use. That's what our world is teaching us. It's this idea to get all you can, can all you get, sit on the can and spoil the rest. That's what the world teaches us. You know what I'm saying? That really is. But Jesus says that's not how it should be. In fact, I want you to see what Jesus says about our stuff in Matthew chapter 6. Again, this is the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 19, look at what Jesus says. He says, don't Store up treasures here on earth. What do you think Jesus would think about all the storage buildings and storage rooms that are out there? Places where we store our treasures. Jesus says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. I want you to see something else that Jesus says in Luke chapter 12, verse 15. Look at this. Jesus says this. He says, beware. Do you notice that exclamation point right there? Beware. Y'all still with me? Beware. Guard against every kind of greed. Watch this. Life is not measured by how much you own. 
Life is not measured by how much you own. Again, what Jesus teaches us is completely different than what the world teaches. Jesus says, don't pursue stuff. Don't store up treasures for yourself here on earth. So what then are we supposed to do with our treasure? What then are we supposed to do with everything that God has given us? What do we do with it? Because again, we need to find out what we need to do because it's what Jesus says that should transform us. It's what Jesus says that should affect us. It's his teaching that is a firm foundation. So what do we do? Here's what Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. He says, give. Everybody say give. Give Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more. Running over and poured into your lap, the amount that you give will determine the amount that you get back. Jesus says give. Now let me stop. Is it possible, is it possible to come to Elevate Church? Is it possible to come to Elevate Church or any other church? Is it possible to come to church every week, become a Christian, sit in church every week uh, to maybe, you know, sing during the worship, take notes, and still be materialistic. Yes, it happens in churches every, everywhere, every week. It, it happens. See, I like, I like to laugh. I like to joke. How many of y'all know that? How many of y'all like to laugh? You like to joke. I love that. And how many of y'all remember a guy named Jeff Foxworthy? Remember, he had those, you might be a redneck joke. Y'all remember those? I used to love those. Man, if you've ever cut your grass and found a car, you might be a redneck. Anybody remember that? You know what I'm saying? He's like, hey, man. He said, if you've got one house that's mobile and five cars that aren't, you might be a redneck, right? If you've ever thought, uh, you know, loading the dishwasher was getting your wife drunk, you might be a redneck. That's funny. I don't care who you are, okay? That's funny. It's funny. It's terrible, but it's funny. But I love those, I love those, those, those jokes I do. Well, I want to give you three signs real quick. Three signs that might prove that you're a materialistic Christian. Three signs, again. So number one, and, and well, let me ask a question right before we get, before I give you these three. Number one, or the first question is this. How many of y'all, how many of y'all are rich? Anybody here, you're just rich? You know, a couple people, yeah, man, they're rich. Now, a lot of folks don't want to answer that. Let me ask it like this. How many of y'all have more than two pair of shoes? All right, put your hands down. How many of y'all got a TV at your house? Yeah, yeah, a lot of people got one of those. How many of y'all got a refrigerator at your house? All right, what about this? How many of y'all got a washer and dryer at your house? How many of y'all got running water at your house? Let me tell you, if you've got those things at your house, you are in the world's top 2% of people who have ever lived. You are rich. Tell the person sitting next to you, tell them they are rich. Now I say, can, I, can you spot me some money? You know what I'm saying? See if that works out for you. Doesn't really work out that much. Here's the first sign, though, that you might struggle with materialism. Here's the first sign you might struggle with materialism. If you think that you're not rich, you might struggle with materialism. If you think that you're not rich, you might struggle with materialism. Because I'm here to tell you that if you are here today, you are rich. I mean, if kings from years gone by were to look at how we live our life, they would think that we live like gods. We have microwaves. Again, running water, air conditioned, they would look at us and be like, wow, you guys are rich. We are rich. You might not think that you're rich because you know somebody who's got more than you have, but you and I are rich. We are rich. The second sign that you might struggle with materialism is this, if tithing is not part of your lifestyle. If tithing is not part of 
of your lifestyle. Robert, what is tithing? I'm glad you asked. I want to tell you. Uh, tithing is giving 10% of your income, of your earnings back to God. It's giving 10% of your earnings to the local church, to the body of Christ, to the bride of Christ. It's giving back to God what he has blessed you with. But did you know that less than 2% of people who call themselves Christians actually tithe 10% of their income? Did you know that? Less than 2%. It's true. It's true. It's true. So that means there are a lot of materialistic Christians out there. See, here's what tends to happen. People will come to church, and they're Christians, right? And the band comes out, and they, they lead us, and we'll, we'll worship, man. Sometimes we raise our hands, and, and we clap. We're Christians, right? The, the speaker will come out, the preacher will come out, and he'll, he'll preach God's word, and, and people will take notes, and, and they're like, praise God, we're Christians. But then when it comes time for tithes and offerings, what happens? It's like, we put the brakes on. We're materialistic. We say, ho, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. I don't, I don't know about that. I don't, I, you know, my money's my money. It's not, it's not God's. Never mind the fact that the Bible teaches us that the Lord, that the earth's, that the earth, everything belongs to the Lord. Everything. The earth and everything in it, it belongs to the Lord. And so most people think that instead of tithing, I will actually just tip. How many of y'all, how many of y'all have ever gone out to eat somewhere? Bunch of liars, man. Everybody get your hand up. Man, I, you know, I, how many of y'all have ever done this? You've gone out to eat somewhere. And you know you spent like a pretty good amount of money. And so then when it comes time to pay that bill, you know, you see what that tip, the suggested tip, 10% tip is, and you go, ooh, I don't I don't know if this person deserves this. Do y'all let me do that? You ever do I know that I have, man, they didn't get my cheese dip out here on time. In fact, all my chips were gone before I got my cheese dip. They didn't bring me a refill on my lemonade, you know what I mean? And the sir, they didn't give me what anybody ever do that just me. Pray, pray for me. And I mean, I know we're all like that, right? I don't, they don't deserve, they don't deserve this. I didn't like my service. That's, that's basically what we do when we go out to restaurants. We do it at restaurants, but we also do that with God. We say, well, if God wanted me to tithe, he would have given me more money. No. Because if God can't trust you to tithe on what you make now, he's not going to be able to trust you to tithe on when you make more. It's not. He's not going to. Well, I would tithe, but God just really hadn't done a lot for me. If God would have done more for me, I would tithe. What in the world? If God never did anything else for you or for me, he has already done enough. God sacrificed his one and only son for you and for me. He gave us his best How do you just tip that? How do you just tip that? Here's a quarter, God. Here's a dollar. Thanks for everything. How do you do that? I remember one long time ago, I used to work for a, a, a pizza restaurant, Mazio's Pizza. Anyway, I worked there a long time, and so I remember I was delivering a pizza order one time, and there was a lot of pizzas. I don't remember exactly how many, but this order was worth several hundred dollars, and so I delivered the pizza. I got it there early, and then I had to make several trips from my car inside to give to deliver this pizza to this house, and so when I got there, I asked the lady, I said, where would you like for me to put the pizza, and she said, you can just put it on there, this table right over there, well, so I go to the table, and there's no room 
on the table. I mean, there's just stuff everywhere. And so she says, well, you can just move everything off the table. So what do I do? I move everything off the table, and I organize it kind of to where, you know, everything would be, you know, ready for the folks who are there. And so I give them all this pizza, and then when it came time for them to pay, when it came time for them to, you know, give me a tip, you know what they gave me? A dollar. A dollar. You know what I want to do with that dollar? I ain't going to tell you because I'm a Christian, you know what I'm saying? But, man, I... Man, I, I, I was insulted. I was insulted. Well, I wonder. I wonder if sometimes we don't insult God with our giving. I mean, he looks at his son who's got nail-pierced wrists, nail-pierced feet, this, this hole in his side. Jesus, God looks at his son. And then he looks at what we've given him, and it's just a tip. See, folks, Jesus says to tithe. You say, really, Pastor? Yes. Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. Look at it. Jesus says, you should tithe. Yes. But do not neglect the more important thing. So if you don't think you're rich, you may be materialistic. If tithing is not part of your lifestyle, you might be materialistic because you're trying to hold on to it. And the third thing that I want you to see that might prove that you are materialistic is that if you are more concerned about what you are acquiring than what you are causing to happen, what, are you, what you are making happen, if you're more concerned about what you're acquiring than what you're making happen, you might be materialistic. What does, that, what does that mean? Well, listen to me. There are so many people, so many people out there, so many people that in their efforts to acquire more stuff, more, more money, that they'll work long hours. And you know what happens because they do those things? I'm not saying that you're, you, you can't work long hours. But there are some people who that's all they want to do. They want to acquire more stuff. And because they do that, guess what? They neglect the most important things. They neglect things like their, their family. They sacrifice time with their family just so that they can get more stuff. But again, when we do that, we don't always realize what we are causing to happen. Come on. How many of y'all have ever heard somebody say, I got to get paid? I got to get that money. I got to get that paper. I got to get I got to get I got to get that cash. That's what people say. How often do we really hear people say, "Nope. I'm going to invest in my family. I'm going to invest in them while I have time. I'm going to invest in them while I'm here, while they are here. I'm going to invest in one of the most precious things that God has given me." People don't really say those types of things very often. Our society against us get paid. 50 cents said, "Get rich or die trying." That's what he said. And I'm telling you, Jesus, he shakes his head. He said, that's, that's not a firm foundation. He says, that's shaky. That's shaky. Don't build there. Because if you do, you're in for a, a collapse. Young people, please, please don't fall for that. Don't fall for materialism. Because that's what the world wants you to do. Second thing I want you to see that the world teaches us is not just materialism. Jesus, a lot of things. The second thing that I want you to see is individualism. The world tries to teach us about individualism, that it's all about me, it's all about what I want, it's all about what I need, it's all about what I think, it's all about what I say, it's all about me. How many of y'all know somebody like that? Don't point if they're sitting beside you. I want you to make it home, okay? 
All right, but I mean, we, we know people who are like that, and that's what our society teaches us. That's what they have been teaching us for years and years and years and years. Our society, again, that's what it teaches us. We think we should live our life how we want. We think we should do what we want. We even come to church. We come to church and think that it should be the way that we want it to be. How many of y'all ever been to a church where they fight over everything? They're going to fight over the color of the carpet. They're going to fight over the color of the paint. They're going to fight on the, the choice of music. Hey, I want hymns. I want these things. We walk into, into God's house, into church, and we say, ho, 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 ho. I want it my way. I want it my way. That's how we live our life. People think it's all about me, what I want, what I think, what I need. Last week, we talked about the temptation of Jesus, how the devil tried his hardest to get Jesus to embrace this idea of me first. Jesus, put yourself first. Jesus, you don't need to go to the cross. Jesus, you don't need to surf, suffer. Jesus, you don't need to serve others. You're God. You are the man. You don't need to be sacrificial. Put yourself first. Your feelings, your desires, that's what the devil tried to tempt Jesus to do, and that's what the world wants you and I to do as well. It wants us to embrace this type of mentality that says it's all about me, and it's this type of mentality that is tearing apart our nation and tearing apart so many homes. People say, you know what, it doesn't matter what my family wants anymore. It doesn't matter what this does to my children. It doesn't matter what this does to our family. I'm doing things my way, and if I have to leave to do it, I will. That's tearing this country apart. It's terrible. So many people who claim to be Christians, that's what they say. I'm just going to live for me. I'm going to do me. When and where did Jesus say that was an appropriate way for us to live our life. He didn't. Jesus never said, hey, follow me and you can have it your way. He didn't. Jesus said things much different than that. In Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 24, look what he said. He said, if anyone wants to come with me, he must deny himself. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not me first. Deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will find it. Jesus doesn't teach us to live for ourselves. He teaches us to live for him. He teaches us to follow the example that he has set. In Mark chapter 10, Jesus is trying to teach his disciples something about life. And he says, you know what, there's going to be a lot of people out there who try to live for themselves, who want to be in charge it's me first. They're going to try to lord over you and say that they're so special. In verse 43, look at what he says. But it must. It must not be like that among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be a slave to all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus says, you know what, if you're going to follow him, if I'm going to follow him, it means that we're going to serve. We're going to serve. We're not going to allow the teachings of the world to influence the way that we live our life. We're going to follow Christ's teaching. And we're, we're not going to be materialistic and we're not going to be self-seeking. To follow Jesus means that you will give and you will serve. You are blessed to bless 
others. See, I'm wrapping up, but I, I just want you to see that Jesus calls us to commit to a much deeper level than this superficial Christianity that so many people seem to embrace. And there are four words, four words straight from the teachings of Christ that have the ability to change this entire world. If you and I will say them, and not only say them, but follow them. Not just say them, but embrace them. Not just say them, but obey them. Because again, what does Jesus say? The person who listens to my teachings and follows them is wise. So there are four words, again, that he tells us that will just change everything. Jesus, again, he's preaching to this crowd of people. It's the best sermon ever preached. And he gives them four words that we don't really focus on a lot. He's covering topics like forgiveness, adultery, marriage, all sorts of things. And he even teaches about prayer. And in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 9, look at what Jesus says. He says, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want you to remember four words from that passage. Jesus is praying, so that means he's talking to the Father. And he says, your will be done. Your will be done. Not my will, not your will, not our will. Whose will? It's God's will. God's will be done. What would happen this next week if each and every person in this room right now, what would happen if each and every one of us prayed that prayer every hour that we were awake? Just once. Just once. Four simple words. I don't have time to pray. I don't know what to say. Say this. Father, for the next hour, your will be done in my life. When that hour's over, say it again. God, your will be done for the next hour of my life. The, after that hour, God, your will be done for the next hour. Let your will be done for the next hour. Just a short prayer. What would happen if we would say that prayer and mean it? I, here's what I bet would happen. I bet it would change the way that we look at our stuff. And I bet it would change the way that we look at our life. God, it's not about my stuff. Your will be done. God, it's not about me. Your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. I want to challenge you today to pray that prayer often this next week. Pray that prayer often. Pray that prayer that Jesus taught us to pray because, again, it's his teaching. It's a firm foundation. It's his teachings that are meant to affect every aspect of our life. God, your will be done. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, <clears throat> I wonder today if there's somebody here and you know that you have fallen for the trap of the world to be materialistic, to be individualistic and to live for yourself, to put yourself first. 
and you know today that you're not a Christian, you know today that, you know what, in light of what God has given me, I want to give him my all. I want to give him myself. I want to give him my life. If today you know that you need to be saved, I'm going to ask it right where you are that you pray this prayer. Father, forgive me for not putting you first. Forgive me for my selfishness. Forgive me for my sin. Come into my heart right now. Save me. Transform me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to be a new person. The person that you want me to be. I confess you as Lord. May I live for you the rest of my days. We're still praying, but if you prayed that prayer today, I'm going to ask it right where you are that you just lift your hand. Because I want to give God, I want to give God praise. Amen. Father, we just thank you so much for how good you really are. Oftentimes, we, we are very materialistic and we are very selfish. Father, but thank you that Jesus has provided us another way. Help us today to realize that true freedom comes only in following your teachings. Father, help us to be wise. When we leave this place, Father, help us to not just be people who have heard your words, but help us to be people who follow your words. Thank you once again for giving us your best. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. We'd like to thank you for listening and encourage you to visit our website at www.elevatechurch.ms so you can learn more about being blessed and blessing others at Elevate Church.